Jordan Moorhead here with the Austin Real Estate Investing Podcast. Today we have our guest, Katie Schowell, on. She's going to tell us all about how she started investing in Austin in 2012, where she sees the market going, and what she's doing now, both in Austin and the Killeen area. Make sure to stay tuned for this one, guys. It's a great episode. This is Austin Real Estate Investing. Austin Real Estate Investing. We'll be discussing real estate investing in Austin, Texas, and bringing you experts from all different sectors of the real estate game. Your host, Jordan Moorhead, is a real estate agent and investor in Austin and is here to help you get started or to build your portfolio and explore new strategies. Hi, this is Jordan Moorhead, and this is Austin Real Estate Investing. Today, we have Katie Shawell on, and she's going to tell us all about her real estate investing story here in Austin. Hey, Katie, how are you? Hey, Jordan. I'm well. Thank you for having me. Awesome to have you on here today, and I'm so excited to learn more about your story, real estate investing in Austin. I know we chatted really quickly before we got on, and we, we both have been told forever that, hey, you can't invest in Austin anymore. And we both found out that you can invest in Austin still. So really quickly, could you tell our listeners who you are and how you're involved with real estate investing in the Austin area? Yes. So I am Katie Shawell. I am a mother. I've lived in Austin since 2007, moved here to go to college. I've lived here and fell in love with it when I was a teenager, actually grew up in Texas and just fell in love with Austin and um, started with just traditional buying a house and living in it. And uh, that was in 2012. And just, you know, it kind of spiraled from there. And so I have now gotten one other um, long-term rental property in Austin and then one in Clean as well. But I just kind of, it snowballed from homeownership and creative, like living, flipping kind of, um, not intentionally that way from the start. But over time, um, time really helped um, my, me and my family on that side of it. And then over time, we were able to, uh, you know, leverage the equity that we have and buy more. Love it. So, um, you know, I think time in, in Austin's real estate market in the last however many years has been great. And you and I actually talked to somebody recently and they're talking about they bought a house here in the 80s and they mm -hmm. fixed it up a little bit. And a year later, it was worth 50 percent more. So everybody likes to think about this, this really small period of time, which is the last 10 or 15 years. Mm -hmm. But the city's been growing like crazy for quite a long time. And it's not just right now that's happened, but, you know, I talked to a lot of people that have bought in Austin and they say, oh, my house is worth so much more than I bought it for two, three years ago. And that's absolutely the case. So you bought your first house, kind of what people would call like the beginning of the market started to go back up in 2012. Wow. I want to talk a little bit more about that house real quick. Um, what did you buy? How much was it? And where is it? So we had, we wanted to keep our purchase price under $200,000. <laughs> nice. All we had was, I think it was 15 or $18,000, you know, newlyweds and mm. saved as much as we could. And that was all we could afford. So that was kind of our cap. We were able to find something for 198, 
uh, south of Slaughter uh, in Olympic Heights neighborhood, if you know where that is, uh, which was in the middle of nowhere back in 2012. Mm -hmm. um, and just a little three two starter home. Um, you know, at that time it was a newer house. Um, and yeah, just started there. I thought we'd be there a lot longer than we ended up being there. We just bought it thinking it was our first home without a whole lot of plan, just trying to keep our monthly payments reasonable for being, you know, fresh out of college, newlywed, you know, couple at that point in time. Love it. And that was 198,000. What did you have to put down on that property? So we did put down 17,000, which is like 8%. So we did not, you know, put down the whole 20% or anything like that. Still, you put down more than you had to, it sounds like. Yeah, more than we had to. I was really focused at that point in time on just making sure our monthly payment wasn't too high. Mm -hmm. uh, we didn't have a lot of wiggle room at that point in time and our monthly budget so i was like i needed to, i wanted to keep the payment um you know as low as it could be so we put everything pretty much that we had into it i thought whenever we bought it thanks and <clears throat> so you you lived in this house for how many years well we only lived there for two years okay yes we uh we rolled up our sleeves when we got there and painted every wall and made it our own in some ways with the little money that we had we very much diy'd you know redid the backyard and got really crafty like mm -hmm. solicited our family to help us paint and do all that stuff but like you mentioned even at that time we had a hard time finding houses, but there were multiple offers even then, not at the rate it is now, but it was competitive. So uh, I just, after we lived there, I I uh, I do some like data analysis with my day job. And so I was just watching the home prices even then go up. And so for me, uh, you know, early 20s person seeing my home value go up, you know, five figures to me, I was a ton of money. So when I saw that, we also were, uh, like I said, pretty far outside of town at that point in that year for us, we were young and like to still go downtown and, you know, try to go to Sixth Street and all that stuff. And it was a long cab ride out there past slaughter at that point in time. So whenever I saw that, I was like, how can we live further in and have a better lifestyle, um, but not raise our expenses a lot? Because our financial situation hadn't changed a lot in a lot in those two years. So we just lived there two years until I saw the adult, like the opportunity uh, that had already grown in our home equity from living there from that time and the work that we had done to it. So I got this crazy idea to like, how do we trade up basically within Austin and move uh, more central to have that better lifestyle. So um, I actually put that house for sale by owner. Oh, really? I did that myself. Yes. I don't, I don't know where I get these ideas sometimes. Um, <laughs> But I did that myself. That was an adventure. Um, sold it and then bought our, our next house um, that was near like Sassy and South First. Okay. So you moved, let's call it 10 minutes further north. Mm -hmm. you know, a really desirable area. You know, you, slaughter is a great area, you know, where, where you were. You said you were Olympic Heights? Yes. Yeah, I mean, that's a great area to be in too. Now, like you mentioned earlier, people considered that far away. Any more mm -hmm. people would say, it's, you're in Austin. That's all that counts. Yes. Well, and I live four minutes from that now. So now it's full of, you know, fun, 
bars and restaurants and it's a whole scene. So I laugh because we spent all this time and energy to move in and then now we've come back to that area anyway. <laughs> Love it. Um, so you, your next your next property you bought in Austin, that was, uh, was that 2014, my, my math right? Uh, 15. 2015. Okay. Yes. What did you sell this house you bought for 198,000 for two years later? 230. Okay. Still a great deal for a house in Austin. Three, two. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, um, because I, I really, for sale by owner, was trying to keep as much of the dollars in my pocket as I could at that point in time because we didn't necessarily have more cash to insert into the next purchase. So I was just trying to be as you know, thrifty as I could. Sure. Um, and then, so I guess before we talk about this next one, you know, these first, first two, it sounds like we're just personal residences, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So on this next one you bought in 2015, what was that and what did you pay for that one? So like I said, we had moved into this first house and it, it was fine, but we wanted to do a lot of stuff to it. And then we got a little burnt out from all the projects. Um, like I said, we didn't have money to leverage and outsource any of this work. So we were doing it all ourselves or doing as much as it as we could ourselves. And we got a little burnt out. So we wanted to be closer into town and we found this little 3-2. It's still a 3-2, which is closer and smaller. So we traded square footage for location and we paid 235. So it was, you know, $5,000 more. Yeah, uh, almost a one for one trade there. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. The the thing though is that house was recently flipped. Mm. So we bought it from a flipper and we were like, let's not do anything. Let's not do any more work to any the house right now. We were ready for a break. Awesome. So you know, we'll talk about this here in a second, but you, you got into real estate investing here shortly after this. Um, why did you, what attracted your real estate investing? So you'd done some projects, you'd said, mm -hmm. hey, I don't want to do any more projects anymore. I'm not really sure I want to do this work. You know, what, what dragged you back in to real estate investing in the future and got you interested in maybe buying rental property? Hey guys, this is Jordan Moorhead here. And I wanted to ask if you could do a huge favor for me if you could go leave a review for this podcast wherever you're listening to it, that would really help me get this into the hands of other people that are interested in information about Austin real estate investing, and I'd be able to help more people. Thanks, guys. Yeah, I honestly, I think the concept of gaining wealth from doing what we were already going to be doing, such as living in our house, making it nice, and you know, being in Austin, having that appreciating market, Thinking about it that way really led me to eventually say, how can I do more of this? You know, there's what we already wanted to do and spend our time doing. And after this house, we then pivot back to doing a lot more home projects and a lot more DIY stuff. So we did end up going back after we had a little bit of a break there with the flipped house. But, um, but yeah, it's just the opportunity was there. And then once I saw, like I mentioned the first house, we, it was maybe like a $30,000, $30, $30,000 increase in our net worth and our equity from owning it. 
after that, it really snowballed. Um, and it was, you know, 30,000, 20,000, 50,000. And it just was a lot more. And it's like, I could never earn my way into that kind of money yeah. with my day job. Yeah, I love that. So talk about that real quick. So you, you're in Austin, but why do you choose to keep investing in Austin? And how'd that go for you? What were your, your couple projects that you're talking about? Yeah, I, I love Austin. And I have really tried to think about my future investments in terms of I want to own in Austin. I have looked into the out-of-state investing options, but I also really like my city and it's desirable and I, I want to own here. And I did say I also own one in Colleen and it's a very different market, although it's still relatively nearby. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's an equity balance for me. I'm like, if I own in Austin, if I can make that work, there's that equity play, I can leverage that and then use that to buy in higher cash flowing markets. But to me, it's not, you know, all or nothing. I definitely want to be here because I love it. It's, you know, hands on it. I understand it. I've lived here a really long time. I know this market inside and out. So if I can find a way to make it work on the financials, then I'm definitely going to stay here. And I, I know I will be able to. Love it. Yeah. And we, one of our team members here actually lives in Colleen and drives down to our office here a couple of days a week. So Colleen absolutely is, a, is a, a city that's separate from Austin. So you mentioned it. It's a completely mm-hmm. different area than Austin. Couldn't, couldn't feel more different. But you can invest there from Austin. So if you're saying, hey, you know, I want to buy some, some high appreciating properties in a city like Austin. Um, you're buying in Austin and you're living in Austin. You want to buy a couple more properties that have a little more cash flow. You know, you might buy somewhere like Colleen, Colleen, Temple, there's markets all around Austin. You know, Central Texas is pretty highly populated. Um, but I think like you, I found that the majority of my gains have been from just owning in, in high appreciating markets like Austin. So, you know, while cash flow sounds cool on paper, you know, you buy a property in Austin, three years later, it's worth $200,000 more. And you're like, wow, I only made... $1,200 a year off that other place. <laughs> yeah, you can do a lot more with that if you're willing to get creative and yeah. and yeah, use leverage. Yeah, so last summer, um, I'm skipping a couple here, but we last summer we leveraged our 401ks. We did some on um, 401k loans and went out to Colleen. I really thought about it. I really liked the Burr strategy, the mm-hmm. buy, uh, rehab, rent, refinance concept. So I was like, how can I try this and see if it works? So um, found a for sale by owner property in Colleen, ended up using, I, I used a realtor, but um, ended up buying it directly from the for sale by owner seller mm-hmm. and bought it cash using our 401k, my husband and I's 401k loans. Did uh, six or eight weeks of rehab. My husband did the mo- most of it, but we drove back and forth for six weeks and rehabbed it ourselves, mostly yeah. ourselves, and then did the rent and refinance. And it was awesome. I was like, this con, like it really reinforced, um, you know, our ability to do that and for, to do that again because the whole concept of getting your money back, almost all of it, wasn't a perfect fur, uh, but. Uh, getting the money back and being able to do that again is is great. And honestly, I don't know that I would have been as comfortable leveraging temporarily our 401ks if I didn't have all this other equity built up in our other homes. Because then it would be risking, you know, if that's all we had, 
was our 401ks and our like life savings, I would feel a lot riskier. Sure. No, I, I love that. Um, <clears throat> so maybe that's something we could talk about here real quick. I like to ask people on how they avoid bad deals. And, and I think a big part of that is how do you avoid undue risk? So you just, you basically just highlighted that of, Hey, this is how I'm going to avoid undue risk. This one move won't take me out. So is there a certain way that you evaluate risk and how you say, Hey, this is something that I'm interested in doing, or, you know, that's too risky. That could wipe everything out. I don't want to do that. Yeah, absolutely. I, so far, the kind of measuring stick that we have used is to say, if everything goes, you know, out the window, can we live here? If we have to like sell everything or if everything goes down, could we go move in there and make it work? And um, I, like I said, I have a fan, two, two kids and a husband, so we're not a small family. We wouldn't want to do that, but it's like, if we can do that, we know anyone else would want to, could do that too. They could go live in it and pay rent for it. And worst case, could we live in it? Could we sell it? Um, and again, with the Colleen property, it was such a low price point that the risk was if like we did pay for it, you know, cash, but if we, it was enough to say, okay, if we lose all of this, are we going to be okay? And is it worth the risk? Now I don't want to lose all of that, but it was worth the attempt. And I feel like I learned so much from taking that risk. And I, I don't feel like what I have done so far has been very risky at all. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's another good point, you know, so people, uh, I'm, I'm a realtor. I run a real estate team here in Austin. Um, and I talk to newer, newer real estate investors almost every day. And I think one of the biggest questions I get, well, you know, what if I lose all my money or what if, what if I just lose everything and this, this buries me. And I like to talk about that. My perspective really is from what I've seen, especially if you have secure long-term debt, I think that's a caveat, you know, make sure you've got good debt on the property. But if you put down, let's say 20% and you get a 30 year loan that you really have some backup from the bank and it, it and I'm going to, I'm going to curse. It feels like a pain in the ass when you're going through the process of dealing with the lenders because they want everything. And you're like, can you just go away? Can you leave me be? And can you let me just have a good time here? But they, they do a lot of underwriting and due diligence on you and on the property. And they really make sure that it's going to work. And while it's extremely annoying, it's, it's comforting to know that somebody else is going behind you and saying, Hey, we're really going to make sure this thing works. And we're not going to let you fail because while you brought this 20% and that's great, we're bringing 80% and we don't want to lose our 80%. So with with real estate and with with the fear of hey losing everything is there a way you look at real estate investing and and it helps you be more comfortable that you might not lose everything yeah well i and to answer your other question too i do very much think about having reserves as one of the biggest pieces like i won't at this point in time do a deal if i don't have the reserves to back it up you know six months or you know some whatever a dollar amount makes sense for the property um, because ultimately real estate's not a super fast fix if there is a problem you get, you're gonna have to have 
cash in some way, shape, or form to cover you if something's going on one way or another. Um, um, sorry, what was your question? Just what's the way you look at real estate where it helps you be comfortable with not losing everything? So if I've got, you know, $50,000 that I've put down in this $250,000 house, how do you know you're not going to lose all your money? Yeah. Yeah. I, so I have been self-managing and pretty close to everything I've been doing so far. And I think I had that fear at first of, you know, got a tenant in there and I don't have my eyes on it once a week. So what happens if they just, you know, strip it clean or, you know, who knows what the yeah. wild concepts are out there yeah. about what might happen. But over time, after testing it out and seeing, okay, people aren't just burning the house down or they're not, you know, being malicious. They need a place to live and everybody needs a place to live. So just having it an asset that's usable and, you know, has market value, especially in, in this market, everybody needs a place to live and a place to rent. Um, to me, those, those tangible qualities alone help me say, okay, this is different than, you know, knocking on Bitcoin or like some of those things. It's like, I can't sleep in Bitcoin. So I feel a lot more comfortable, you know, having a house and having, um, you know, cushion to cover the expenses associated with it should something go wrong. And I've never really had that fear about real estate. Yeah. No, and I like that because you just highlighted the why people love investing in real estate because people do need a place to live you know because real estate can't just vanish overnight it can't you know theoretically i think the fear always is what if it just drops to zero it can't you know at the very even if the house is wiped off the face of this earth you still have the earth the land is still worth something and when you looked at your your tax assessments they say hey the land is worth whatever 10 15 20 percent of the property. So if for some reason you don't have insurance tomorrow and your property just gets annihilated and it's gone forever, you still have some peace of mind that the land is worth something, especially in a city like Austin, it might be worth as much as the house, depending on where the land is. Um, yeah, I think there's so many ways that we can mitigate our risks. And I mentioned one proper insurance, I think is so important you have good insurance and you've got the right insurance on a property and you've got a few properties, maybe you've got an umbrella policy above those. And then you mentioned it too. If you've got good management, that makes a huge difference. I've seen enormous properties go down in the dumps where you know, like multi hundred unit properties, you're like, who is doing this? Mm -hmm. But you're saying, Hey, I'm just managing some of it myself to make sure that everything goes right you know and yeah. things go great when you manage it right have you wanted to be part of GoBundance, the tribe of millionaires but just haven't hit that millionaire status yet well now you can not even being a millionaire by joining our new program GoBundance emerge my name's jamie gruber creator of GoBundance emerge and member of the GoBundance community and now you can join gobundance.com emerge gobundance.com emerge use code jordan for hundred dollars off this 12-week goal setting program and mastermind that'll propel you to being a whole life millionaire yeah, systems and attention. I mean, real estate is definitely not a passive, you know, well, depending on how I'm doing it, it's not a completely passive investment.
but it is the returns are worth the time spent mm-hmm. for it, in my opinion. And I and I also enjoy it. I think it's fun. So there's that added value of it. Um, but yeah, right. Like maintaining the properties is a high of high importance to me. I the just in the conversations I have with people that aren't in this world and the the quick comments about, you know, how slumlord life and, you know, people are so quick to have negative ideas about landlords in general. Um, but, you know, a lot of like, I think about my properties as I want to give somebody a really good place to live. And I would never have a property that I wouldn't feel comfortable living in or, you know, maintain it how I would want someone to maintain it for me. And I know there's a lot of, um, you know, especially small time landlords that feel that way too. Um, and so, yeah, I think some of that regular maintenance and just treating your tenants well and good communication is another one because it's really a people game. You know, you have people living there and renting it and working for you if you're doing, you know, rehabs on it or anything like that. And it's all really about communication and attention and setting expectations with the tenants or the, you know, people that are helping you with it. But I think that insurance policy definitely is a must. (laughs) Very important. Would not want to have to replace a house myself without insurance. Oh, it, it would wipe me out if I had to replace one or two of them. Mm -hmm. Um, What's one thing you tell a newer investor that's saying, hey, Katie, I want to get started investing in Austin. What should I do? What would you tell that person? I would tell that person to think about what works for you and what interests you. There's so many different ways to get started. So many different ways. Um, And I think if you just think about how do you want to spend your time, what level of involvement you want to have, and how can you get started with what you have now is really just the most important part is figuring that piece out and then just starting because I have been shocked to see while, while I was a homeowner since 2013, I really didn't buy my first property with the intention of renting it and doing some of the stuff until 2020. And so after that, though, it's snowballed in two years, I can already kind of plan out what's next and what's next from there. And and it can snowball pretty quickly if you can just get started and learn along the way. Yeah, I love that. I think the biggest thing, and I kicked myself, I didn't start till I was 27. I I wasn't old, but I, I didn't buy my first house or start investing. And my first house was my first investment as it was a house hack, but I didn't start till I was 27. And I was thinking about it in my early teens like I probably could have done it 22 23 and I was thinking oddly enough this morning where would I be today if I would have started at 22 or 23 like double the net worth I'm at now double the amount of properties at least crazy stuff time is your friend and I love that you said hey just get started hang Mm -hmm. on yep in any way you can too I um I think I initially thought like oh there's this playbook and follow it you have to do these things first before you can do this other maybe more creative thing but really it's you the world is your oyster you can do whatever you want and you don't have to have a stepping stone to doing some of the more creative things it's really about finding people to help you and understanding the processes like the financing pieces or 
the creative strategies and, you know, depending on what you have, if you have money or if you have time or, you know, experience or whatever it is that you have. I mean, if you have all of them, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I think people rarely do, but yeah, no, I like what you're saying there too. So figure out what your strengths are and maybe you find somebody else who has opposite strengths and you can partner with somebody or you can just figure out your place in the real estate investing world. If you're somebody that's just really great at providing experiences and you'd love to talk to people all day, maybe Airbnb is one of the, the best routes for you. But if you like systems and processes and things in good order, maybe long-term rentals and just doing your own property management is the way to go. There's not a wrong way. Um, and there's so many ways. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm a big advocate. I learned this the hard way. I think of trying to do everything myself for too long mm. that I, I really don't believe in forcing yourself to do everything, like maybe do everything once so that you understand the mechanics of it. But if there's something you don't enjoy doing, like find a partner outsource or, you know, leverage others or whatever, but, um, that's going to help you stay, you know, on track and help you keep momentum if you're really enjoying the pieces that you're doing versus feeling like, oh, I have to be really scrappy and I'm going to do everything myself to save a penny or whatever, which is definitely what I did for a long time. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I think you feel like you're, you're saving a, so much money, but really you're stepping over, over dollars to save mm -hmm. pennies sometimes when you're trying Absolutely. to do everything yourself. Cool. But maybe, yeah, there's always a time, you know, there's nothing wrong with doing everything yourself. If you don't, if like you talked about earlier, you've got time, you've got money, you've experience. If you have no money and you've got time, then step over as many pennies as you can save as many pennies as you can. Make sure you maximize what you've got and you'll be in a great spot. Yeah. Katie. So we talked a lot about what you've done in the past. We haven't yet talked about anything about you know, you talked about real estate has so many options. What are your long-term goals and what's your vision for you and real estate investing? So I, my ultimate goal is I want to be financially independent really by the time I'm 40 is my stated goal. I'm, I'm about to have my 33rd birthday. So I want to have, be financially independent off of rentals and business and you know i do have some personal investing so i did strict 401k investing my first you know mm -hmm. before i got really into real estate so just all in i want to be financially independent by 40 and i really feel like i can't do that unless oh, i yeah. am get you know really diving into real estate because that's that's how to do it the fastest and i've already kind of seen that from the last two years and I'm on, tr I'm on track, I think. I mean, I'm still in the early phases of it, but I'm excited to see where that goes. So I really don't have a strict, you know, I know a lot of people in the real estate, bigger pockets world like to talk about door count and all of that. And I really don't care about door count. I just care about cash flow. And so I'm just kind of taking it step by step, um, you know, leveraging the equity I have now and continuing to grow and really thinking about, cash flow and lifestyle design. I kind of am big on, I don't want to create a portfolio that I don't want to manage. You know, I don't want to buy rentals in some other state I don't want to go to. So I really like to think about, okay, I'm going to buy it somewhere else. Do I want to spend time there? And if I travel there, is there another reason I'd want to travel there and some of that stuff. So really thinking about designing, okay, my portfolio is going to grow. Where does it make sense to grow? And how can I do that so that my lifestyle 
is um, you know aligned with what my vision of that is. So I really want a fourplex. That's kind of next on my my bucket list of properties. Um, playing around with the idea of a short term rental like lake house option. That being more for like both use of fun and short term rental profits. So. Things like that. I don't have a clear, you know, this is the properties and where they're going to be sort of idea about it, but just taking steps all the time towards that. Yeah. And you mentioned it earlier, like Texas is a very large state. There's mm -hmm. all those opportunities in Texas and, you know, like Canyon Lake and Colleen, a Colleen for fourplex, Canyon Lake for Lake House. You know, there's places right around where we are where you can do all that stuff. If people want a beach house, go down to Galveston or Port A. Um, it's just an option for anything you want, just in Absolutely. our little pocket of the world. Yeah, Texas is so big, and I love Texas because there's you can get every variety within three hours from here, even so. Yeah, tons of options. Definitely, love it. Yeah, I like the not just focusing on door count too. I think people get too caught up, and I have X amount of doors, and I think that's just a bragging contest sometimes. I don't. Who cares how many doors you have? <laughs> what do you yeah. do that you enjoy? And how does that help you support your life? Jordan Moorhead here. Really quickly, wanted to tell you a couple other ways you can keep track of us. If you want to listen to all these podcasts and ask questions, the Moorhead team on YouTube is the best place to be. And then Austin Real Estate Investors on Meetup is a great place to keep track of all of our meetups we have going on. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, I, you know, I feel like I focused the first 10 years of my career on building a professional career, building my family and my savings. Um, but I really am ready to think about how to create more flexibility in my life. So I think for me, real estate and the time flexibility is my highest priority for my next, you know, seven years trying to work towards that really want to be able to have more flexibility in my life where I've had a desk job, you know, luckily mostly remote now after COVID thanks COVID for that flexibility, but yeah. you know, it's been a long time at a desk working for other people. So trying to figure out how to get more flexibility in my life and enjoy it sooner. And real estate is going to be a big piece of that. Love it. Um, Katie, do you have a favorite business or mindset book that you like to recommend to people? So I like your money or your life. I'm sure you can tell I'm all about like lifestyle design and like strategizing and maximizing your time and doing what you enjoy doing. And that one really spoke to me the most in terms of thinking about your trading your time for life energy is kind of the terms that they use in the book. And, you know, every hour you spend has a dollar associated with it in reality you're either earning or you're not. And um, does it make sense to spend your time doing the activity you're doing or would it be more beneficial to spend it elsewhere and how to figure out how to trade less time for dollars really is the whole concept around it that spoke to me the most after I kind of switched out of that, like I have to trade my time for earning my you know, income and that's it. Once I realized there was another way to think about how you use your time. Um, it really shifted and I applied that to real estate. Well, and that's your money and your life or your money or your life? Uh, your money or your life. Yeah. Love it. Uh, there's another one called Life in Air. I don't know if you've read that. I've heard of it. I haven't read that one. 
I read it recently. There's so many I need to read. There's still, I've read a lot, but there's still a lot out there. More than you'll ever read. So yeah. you'll have plenty of options. <laughs> there's so many books, so many great books. Uh, Katie, is there a, a preferred way for people to get a hold of you or to follow you? So I have been sharing kind of just the ins and outs of what I've been doing the last few months on Instagram. Uh, it's, I have my handles at uh, Katie's REI to FI, like real estate investing to financial independence. Thanks. So that's where most of my real estate, you know, sharing some of what's going on is there. You can find me there the most. Awesome. And we will put that in the show notes, but it's pretty simple. It's at Katie's REI to FI. That's right. Again, K-A-T-I-E-S-R-E-I-2-F-I. So everybody follow Katie on Instagram and you'll learn a lot. Katie, the most important question we have, and we're going to ask that right now, what is your favorite restaurant in Austin? I stand by that Swift's Attic is still my favorite restaurant. I think I've been citing that as my favorite restaurant for maybe 10 years if they've even been open that long. But I just love that restaurant and you go upstairs and it's really cute and they have really great cocktails. Um, hmm. My favorite is the, I think it's called the apricot draper. I don't even know if they still have it on the menu, but I definitely uh, during COVID did the ice ball cocktail pickup from there. <laughs> that was delicious. So that's my favorite and they change their menu all the time. And it's so good. I love it. What is that again? I, I thought Swift's I heard... Attic. Have you never been there? No. What? You have to check it out. It's good. Swift's Attic? Swift's Attic, like a bird. Their logo has a bird. Um, and it's the same, I I believe, don't quote me on this, but I think it's the same people that do Wu Chow and a couple other really good restaurants in town. Oh, I will have to try that. And just so I have it right here for the show notes, Swift's, S-W-I-F-T-S. Yep. Love it. Okay. Yep. I'm going to go try that, but we'll get it in the show notes too. <laughs> so. Definitely do get the ice ball cocktail and they change their menu a lot. So I can cite their like, you know, core me menu, but their cocktails are delicious. So we will be there soon. Awesome. Thank you so much, Katie. Thanks for coming on. And anybody wants to follow Katie and learn more about her again, it's at Katie's REI to FI on Instagram. And she has lots of content on there for you to follow. Thanks, Jordan. Thank you, Katie. We'll talk here soon. All right. Bye. Bye.